Neighbors, we have an action-packed episode for you this week of the Tech Night Out Live. We'll be talking to Daniel Aaron Dilger and also Seth Rosenblatt to get differing viewpoints of the introduction by Microsoft of Windows 8, which is expected in 2012. Then we talk about the case of the disappearing iTunes gift card balances with Lex Friedman from Macworld Magazine. All this and more this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. With Daniel Aaron Dilgriff, Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider, this week a lot of people are talking about the first demonstrations of Windows 8, early reviews from tech pundits. What's your first impression? What do you know about Windows 8 that you can tell us? Well, Windows 8 has been evolving very slowly. It's interesting how Microsoft and Apple are so different in that Microsoft is throwing all of its cards out, showing off little things as they're being finished, which is very different from Apple. I mean, Apple has occasionally shown a preview of an operating system, but it's very careful about what it shows. What Microsoft has shown is very incremental. It's very much a product. (laughs) It's very much a work in progress. And there are elements of it that are sort of interesting, but overall, it's very disjointed. It's hard to it's hard to see where exactly they're, they're going to take it. Okay, so we're talking about something here that is really barely formulated. And I should mention one thing before we go on. There was an article I read from one of the commentators saying they had, what, sample apps on display that were done by interns over the summer? This is the way you present your flagship operating system, something cobbled together from interns? Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Well... Yeah, it's not really clear what they're doing. I mean, they're they're outlining their strategy. As far as a finished working product, it, it's it, it's not finished on any, any sort of level. But their strategy is pretty clear. I mean, they're realizing that the way to build apps on Windows is running out of steam. And a major problem for Windows is that it's tied to Intel's processor. And Intel's processors really only work well on the desktop. So... Windows is tied to PCs, and PCs are plateauing as a, a, a way to do computing. So Microsoft is still selling hundreds of millions of PCs every few years when it comes out with a new release of Windows. But what it's facing now is the iPad. And people are moving towards more mobile devices, whether they're, you know, for a while it looked like everyone was going to buy a netbook, and then people started using it and realized, oh, this doesn't really have the power to do what I want to do. And then Apple started making a lot of gains with the most valuable part of the market. I mean, Microsoft still, there's still more Windows PCs by far being sold than Macs, but Apple is eating up the valuable parts of the market. So Microsoft desperately needs to be part of that. And what they tried to do with mobile devices didn't work out with, I mean, more mobile PCs. And now they're taking another shot at it with, you know, this new tablet that's basically another mobile PC. It isn't a, a new mobile device. But the closest they can get to, to bring out a mobile device requires major changes in Windows because Windows is so tied to desktop processors. If they want, want to run on an ARM chip that is powering almost all the world's smartphones and 
what's making Apple what what makes it possible for Apple to deliver the iPad. Apple couldn't make an iPad with a Intel chip. It would require too much power, be too hot. So for, for Microsoft to go in the same direction as Apple in targeting mobile devices that are efficient and can last a long time on a battery, it has to make major changes to Windows. It, it's not just changing Windows. It has to change the entire development ecostructure around it because you can't just tell everybody to change their apps a little bit to make them run on ARM. It's a totally different environment. And Apple acknowledges acknowledged that when it made the iPad by making the iPad very different. It wasn't Mac OS X scaled down a little bit. It was Mac OS X scaled down a lot. It's a totally different environment. So basically what Microsoft is trying to do here is take Windows, period, the normal version of Windows with these graphical overlays borrowed from Windows Phone 7 and then port that operating system intact to ARM-based processors, much lower power processors, but also not performing quite as well. They're equivalent to, what, a 10-year-old or an 8-year-old Intel processor right now in terms of absolute number crunching? Well, it's a little bit more complicated than that because they're not just scaling down Windows to make it fit on a different processor. They are coming up with a whole new operating system that they call Windows, and it's not compatible with Windows apps. It's, it's, a, it's a strategy that's, that's similar in some respects to what Apple did with iOS, except that instead of saying, here's an iOS device that works with your existing computer, Microsoft is saying, here is your existing computer that runs this layer of mobility that looks kind of like an iPad, or that works like an iPad. It's, it's, there's no Windows, there's full-screen apps, there's you know touch interface, highly animated. They're doing all that in this web layer that's built, built around JavaScript apps. Web apps, basically. Now, web apps is something that Apple suggested developers try the first year the iOS and the iPhone came out. This is before the App Store was developed. This is before they provide a software developer's kit for Apple developers. Right. I mean, Apple, when Apple first released the iPhone, there was no development kit for, for making your own apps. But it was cl- clearly running apps. I mean, Apple had developed all these apps. So it was like pages of Apple's apps. And developers said, hey, when do we get on this? And Apple kind of sort of released this idea saying, our plan for you is web apps. And developers said, no, no, that's not going to work. And quite you know, shortly after that, I think that was in the summer that the iPhone came out at WWDC that Apple announced that. And it was February of the next year. So it's less than a year. Apple said, okay, here's the SDK we're preparing for developers. It does not appear that that was a reaction by Apple. I mean, Apple realized it had to step up to get it out faster. So you're suggesting here that they were already working on this, but it wasn't ready. So in the meantime, Steve Jobs said, okay, use web apps. This was just an interim step. Yes. Because that's not the meme that's presented. The meme that's presented is that Apple reacted to developer concerns in order to build the App Store and the SDK? Well, if you look at the technology, it makes it clear that that was not the case. Apple already had developed the ability to create apps. What was missing is the security structure in place. There, there, were, there was some progress towards the things that were in the App Store as far as security and things like that. Apple had already developed iPod apps, little games you could put in your iPod, using a similar sort of development structure, but it was closed to a few 
you know, larger game companies. So everything was in the works. I mean, it was all, everything was being built, but this stuff takes time. People have, people started developing this idea that, you know, Apple is holding things back. They're not holding things back. They're desperately trying to come up with this stuff as fast as possible. And they're working along a strategy, but you can't, you can't just will something into existence. I mean, not if you're Apple, you have to wait till it's finished or at least finished to a point where it's something that you can actually offer without being irresponsible. And when you look at other platforms, there's a lot of cases where people or, you know, companies throw things out there that are not really finished and not really thought out. I mean, I'm not kind of like the HP touchpad where the darn thing was slow as the blazes. Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of releasing it before everything's worked out. But a better example is Android, because they just threw out, you know, here, 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 here's tools that are sort of finished, finish them and, and create software and put them up on the Android market. Well, they didn't, they didn't give any attention to security and a lot of other aspects of what's going to happen if you set up an app store. If you let everyone just dump a bunch of junk in that, what's going to happen? Well, you're going to end up with the Android market where everything is... You just have to wade through piles of junk and fraudware, and you know what you do get it could be malicious because Google doesn't really look at what's going into the store. So I mean, Apple realized a lot of things about software because Apple has been building platforms for you know more than thirty years. It knows a lot of the the issues that are related with third parties creating software for your platform. Google hasn't been building platforms. Android is basically Google's first major platform. We'll go into more of this with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. SellYourMac.com purchases used Apple computers, iPhones, iPads, and iPods through a safe, no-hassle transaction. They're a BBB-accredited business with an A-plus rating. You can rest assured you'll get paid for your expensive devices. They're in this business because they love Apple products. They want you to have the latest and greatest Apple gear available. Selling your used Mac, iPhone, or iPad will greatly reduce the cost of a new purchase. Get a free quote now from SellYourMac.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Hey, everybody. Jason Lewis here once again. These are hard times for investors. If you're like me, you just don't know where to put your money because there's a downside to every possible scenario. Now, look, every portfolio needs a hedge for inflation. Gold has been the classic. I want to tell you, I want to be honest with you, commodities fluctuate. So you could lose money. Gold goes up and down. But every stable portfolio usually has an inflation hedge, and gold is, well, the gold standard. Washington is not going to get us out of this recovery. 
recovery, so you've got to protect yourself. Give it some thought, and if you're interested in converting your IRA to gold or would like to actually have it in your possession, call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237. The U.S. dollar was once backed by gold, but it's lost a lot of its value since then. Call Midas Resources today, 1-800-686-2237 for gold. That's 1-800-686-2237, and tell them Jason Lewis sent you. If you owe the IRS money you can't pay, then listen carefully, because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today, and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Ready to save? Then you're ready for the Super Summer Sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with you Hindi and Super Femplex for summer toning. Buy glucosamine chondroitin 60 caps, summer sale priced at only $12. Colon and answer 250 caps, summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightall.com that's news at technightall.com and don't forget you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightall.com get in on all the action that's forum.technightall.com we return with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. We're talking about Windows 8, the threat, the promise, or the disaster. Now, in your article about this, you compared Windows 8 to Microsoft's Bob, which is one of their biggest failures. What was Bob? Remind our listeners. Well, I wouldn't say it's one of Microsoft's biggest failures, but it was kind of a black eye because it, it is said that Bob was created by Microsoft's or you know Bill Gates' girlfriend at the time, who he later married, and so it may have it may have kind of skipped along <laughs> without as much oversight as as it might have got otherwise. But the idea was that Microsoft was looking at it was around the time of Windows ninety five was coming out, and they're trying to make something that would be accessible to everybody, to like regular people. So they're trying to move the computer from kind of a a techie audience to everybody else. 
And so they made this layer of this kind of graphical environment that was sort of like a video game at the time where you would walk into different rooms and there were different things you could do in the room. And the idea was instead of creating a desktop metaphor like Apple made with Macintosh, where you have windows and a desktop and files and you're moving around things in kind of a environment that sort of modeled after how you'd work at a, in an office, they would create this kind of video game thing that's kind of a simplistic thing of your you enter a room, what do you do? Oh, you want to go over here and create a word processor document or something, you know. But it was kind of a poor idea, and it looked terrible. I mean, it was awful looking. And Microsoft really pumped it for a little bit. I think they kept doing it into Windows 98, and everybody just had contempt for it because it was so terrible looking. I was just like, what are you doing? So, By the way, what did his girlfriend do for Microsoft that allowed her to do this? Was she an interface designer? She was a product manager for it, I think. Okay. Yeah, I don't know who did the graphics for it. But, you know, if you look at everything else Microsoft did, it, Microsoft didn't do a lot of beautiful-looking stuff <laughs> at the time. I mean, it, it, Windows 95, they were just starting to sort of try to rope things in a little bit. And it wasn't really until Windows 2000 that Microsoft started making software that even looked like it was done by a real company. I mean, it was, it's very amateur-looking. But, yeah, Bob was really bad. I think Steve Ballmer made a comment about three years afterwards saying, we've, we've stopped working on this because it's not what we wanted to accomplish. <laughs> and that's a rarity for Microsoft because Microsoft is notorious to start a project. If it doesn't work, they give it a shave and a haircut, change the name, and yep. then they remarket it under the new name. So, of course, you had Windows Live Search and a few other iterations became Bing. Yep, they're famous for changing the name. <laughs> but Bob got sacked without remarketing. Well, there's a lot of things Microsoft has actually made that have, have just kind of, we, we don't speak of that anymore. <laughs> but Bob, they kind of had to acknowledge because it was such a big deal. I mean, there were TV commercials for Bob. It was kind of an odd thing. But the reason I compared Windows 8 to Bob, because that's kind of what it is, is they're saying, okay, here's a problem. Our operating system doesn't work on tablets because tablets, you know, we, we can either sell and x86, you know, core duo tablet or, you know, core i5 or something, a desktop chip, at which point our tablet is competing with the MacBook Air, basically, or, and it's going to run, it's going to be a Windows tablet. And that's what Windows tablets have always been. Tablet PC has always been a computer without, you know, in, in one, one device. It's a laptop that basically doesn't open. It's a screen. And it hasn't sold ever because they cost, you know, $1,500 and up. They have to run fast enough to, to be responsive. So it's, it's like buying a computer in this weird form factor that doesn't really work like a computer. So no wonder there's been no interest in it. The alternative to that is to do what Apple did and create a low-power device that does less, but what it does, it does better. And Microsoft, instead of saying, okay, here's, here's our new version of Windows 8 for computers, and we're, we're creating a new version of Windows for tablets whatever, they said, hey, we're going to come out with a new version of Windows that runs everywhere. And it runs great on computers, and it runs great on tablets. You know, needs new low-power tablets. What they're not saying is the way it's going to run on ARM tablets is to just not do all the things that Windows is expected to do. You can't run, and, and people haven't got this yet. I mean, Microsoft has come out and said this. This is not like my speculation. Microsoft has said, Existing Windows, you know, Windows 7 apps are not going to run on ARM tablets. 
Well, they can. It's a different processor. Yeah. Okay. But the other thing is here, what Apple did, of course, was to take the guts of Mac OS X or OS X or whatever and craft a new user interface suitable for these portable devices. What Microsoft is doing is what? Dumbing down Windows or just providing Windows but just ripping things out? No, it's like they're... If you want to compare it to Apple, it's kind of like if Apple came out with Mac OS X with a layer of iOS running on, on the side. And if you bought an iPad, it would only run iOS. But if you run a desktop Mac, you have this layer of iOS going on the top, which it's a very populist idea. This, this is what a lot of people think Apple should have done. But I think the reason why Apple didn't do it is because it wouldn't work very well. I mean, Apple's aware of what, what works. And you know, just to give you kind of a a clue as to how well iOS is going to work on a Mac, Apple doesn't provide a emulator for iOS. Developers get this simulator. That's which, sort of an emulator. Well, it's it works differently. Okay. An emulator means that you would take your iOS app, if you're a developer, and you host it on your Macintosh, and it would run the same way it runs, it runs kind of pretend, in kind of a virtual environment that would be kind of like, you know, virtual PC. The difference, the the alternative that Apple did do is a simulator, which means that when you, if you're testing an iOS app and you want to run it on the computer and see what it looks like, it actually, the tools actually recompile it into a Mac app. And by Mac app, I mean, it's, it's, it's an iOS app, but it's running on, on the Intel processor and it runs. Okay. It gives you an idea of what, what it's going to look like on a, on an iOS device. So you could actually test it without having an iPhone, for example. But it's not ideal. If you want to know what, a, what mobile apps look like when they're simulated, you go to Microsoft's tools. Because Windows Mobile, you could emulate it on a computer. Except it ran just dog slow. It was terrible. And so that gives you kind of an inkling of what it, what it would be like if you tried to run iOS apps on a Mac without putting a whole new chip in there. Okay, so basically here, Microsoft is not giving developers the option of just porting standard Windows apps to ARM processors. They have to build web apps instead? Yes. Okay. So Windows 8 is two boxes. There's the old apps, and then there's this new layer of kind of Zune interactivity on the top. And you can now produce Zune-type they call them Metro apps, and they're built primarily in web standards. And those apps will work on a PC, and they'll work on an ARM device. Now, theoretically, then, if they're just web apps, they'd work on any device, wouldn't they, if they adhere to web well, standards? Yeah. That's a question I'll ask you to answer in a moment. Daniel Aaron Dilger joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! 
of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Are you tired of spending money for metal canning lids year after year? Then stop! Stop buying metal lids and get Tatler reusable canning lids. Made of USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, Tatler canning lids let you safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways that contain BPA, but Tatler canning lids are indefinitely reusable and guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning and contain no BPA. Tatler lids are dishwasher safe, perfect for standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders by phone at 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's 1-877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com. Tatler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976. Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. Did you know nuclear radiation is still spewing out of the melted-down reactors in Fukushima, Japan, and making its way across the entire U.S. continent, contaminating the air, water, and food? Dangerously high levels of radiation are a reality here. As a result, radiation poisoning is a distinct possibility for anyone living in the U.S., unless you do something to protect yourself. How? With Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Without a doubt, Liquid Zeolite is by far the best product to remove radiation from your body. It safely removes toxins. Toxins and heavy metals boosts energy levels and promotes a strong immune system. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee, but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite by calling 800-880-9976. That's 800-880-9976. Or go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. Daniel Aaron Dilger with us. This is Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl live. We're focusing on Windows 8, the promise, the threat, 
or the whatever. So even though they're web-compliant apps, they're specifically not capable of running on anything but Windows 8. Well, they're not. Yeah, they're not web-compliant apps. They don't run in a browser. Okay. It's, it's they're somewhat, just using HTML. It's kind of like you develop HTML apps for Dashboard. Or, yeah, or, or WebOS. You know, the, the apps in WebOS are built using web standards, but they're not web apps because they, they plug into the hardware and stuff. Okay. All right. So they have to develop new apps. They can't port Windows desktop apps to the mobile device. There's some, I, I haven't read everything, but there's some talk about making a layer to run to take Silverlight apps so that, so that Windows developers could reuse some of what they know about creating Windows apps to deliver these Metro-style apps. Okay, so but it's a totally it's, different class of apps. New yeah, class of apps. Totally different. No legacy. So you're basically taking the same operating system, making it run on a different processor, and none of the apps come along. Okay. Well, it's kind of like, I mean, with iOS, Apple created a different type of app. But the frameworks are very similar. So if you're a Cocoa developer, it's not too far of a jump to, get, to make iOS apps because everything works a little bit. It's like there's changes, but it's the same type of, it's the same kind of language, you know. So it would be kind of like if Apple had Mac OS X apps on the desktop and then in its mobile devices it used Android, which is totally different and, you know, in a lot of more significant ways for its mobile devices. But, yeah, the Windows thing, they're going to a totally different kind of set of frameworks because they realize that their previous strategy was to kind of move everything towards Silverlight. So basically everything was going to be Microsoft's version of Flash, except that the market was rejecting Silverlight. So all these developers were up to speed on Silverlight, but nobody wanted to install Silverlight and run a, a Silverlight layer on everything. And the real momentum is behind HTML5, this open way of developing web stuff that runs everywhere. And Microsoft finally conceded that over the last year, and the only, where, the only place where Silverlight is really still there is on Windows Mobile 7 is, is the, it's the default way of building apps. Okay, so now, Silverlight, doesn't Silverlight work with Netflix? Netflix is using Silverlight to present your videos, at least on desktop computers? Well, Silverlight is a huge brand. So it's, it's kind of like Flash. Okay. You have Silverlight content, you know, like dynamic app kind of content. Or you have Silverlight Video, which is kind of like Flash Video, which really has very little to do with you know, Flash content. Flash apps and Flash Video are just branded the same. You know, there's some overlap in technology, but Silverlight Video is is just a kind of a stretched brand that Microsoft is using, you know, kind of like Windows. You know, Windows Mobile really has nothing to do with Windows XP. It's just the branding. Yeah, but they're okay. just stretching this brand to the point of being almost meaningless. Okay. But it looks to me here that Microsoft doesn't have a plan. You know, if the purpose was to somehow to get all or most Windows apps to run easily on a mobile device with decent performance, that would be interesting. But all they're doing is putting on the veneer of the same operating system on both devices, but the apps will be totally separate with no hope that they're going to have a large number of apps on the mobile devices. Well, yeah, the problem is that while while it's easy to say, oh yeah, how do we get desktop apps to mo- to work on a mobile device? That 
that's something that's beset by problems. And and when Apple looked at the problem, they had they faced the same issues. You just you simply cannot take the environment of a MacBook Pro and shrink it down to work on a screen with no mouse pointer. It's touch interface. It's very different. It it requires you to to work with it differently. It has a different outline and, and power needs. I mean, you can't put the same chip in it because it's going to be too hot because it's, you know, half the thickness or less than half the thickness. So, I mean, you're dealing with real world problems. How do you, how do you move from this to this? It's like saying, well, you know, my company makes U-Haul trucks, you know, big, huge trucks. I want to make a car. Should I just shrink it down? Well, no, that wouldn't work because you start losing the utility of, of a truck when you shrink it down to a certain point. And you're missing out on some of the things that are nice about having a small car if you just have, like, a, a truck that's a little bit smaller. So you have to realize that, you know, at some point when you're scaling something, you have to be like, oh, well, the rules have now changed, so I have to accommodate to work within this set of rules. It sounds to me that Microsoft is taking the veneer of, like, a Windows Phone 7 with the tiles, bringing it onto the desktop, okay, adding more gestures, and that supposedly solves the problem. Well, yeah, what else are they going to do? I mean, they have they have been kind of trying to develop a unique sort of mobile environment, which is what they're doing with this, the Zoom tiles that they refer to as Metro. They use that in Windows Mobile 7 as kind of their overall design thing. And what's Now, remind me of something here, okay? Windows Phone 7 went nowhere. So they're going to take the idea from an operating system that was a failure put it onto an operating system that is, of course, undeniably successful and somehow solve all the problems of mobile and desktop integration. I'm just really confused over this. Well, when you have problems, you do what you have to work with within what you have to work with. And so, you know, yeah, you can look at, you know, Zoom as a failure and Windows Phone 7 was a failure, but there were also a huge amount of work. I mean, Microsoft put a lot of work into the developing some of these ideas so, I mean, does it make sense for them to start over from zero? Or should they try to salvage what they've already done and try to make it work somehow? I mean, that's what they're trying to do. So, yeah, from, from the perspective of how many products have you made that have been successful, <laughs> Microsoft is looking pretty bad. But, I mean, they have to take what they have already worked on and try to salvage it. It makes the most sense. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, when Steve Jobs came back to Apple and Apple was doing all this stuff, some of which was completely, you know, no bueno and some of it they'd done a lot of work but it just wasn't going anywhere and so there was this effort to like say how what of what we've already done what can we reuse so for example all that work they put into copeland that was just dead they took some of the ideas from it they took the user interface adapted it for mac os 8 and 9 uh they took some other work that they've already done so i mean that's what microsoft is doing they're trying to salvage the work that they've already done Overall, though, what they're trying, what they're delivering, and what they're saying, I mean, one of the comments, the guy that's running Windows, is saying, Windows 8 is no compromise. We're, we're making it work for everybody and all things. And it's kind of like how Google talks about Android, this kind of all things to everyone, and, you know, it's, it's open, and there's a lot of choice, and you can do whatever you want with it. We're not, we're, you know, we're not, kind of like we're not creating any boundaries for you. We're not making these draconian central decisions like apple does this walled garden you know well the problem with that it, it sounds really good but the problem with that is the reason why apple's made the decisions it's done is because it spent some time thinking about the problems and made some 
in some cases, ballsy design decisions that have worked out really well because they're based on this kind of scientific process of seeing, you know, will this work? Let's try it a little bit. Oh, yeah, that works really well. Let's keep doing it that way. Where Microsoft is kind of saying, you know, here, let's, let's support everything. Is this what you want to do? Sure, it does that too. And that's the kind of decision-making that does not, does not work out well. You know, at the local out. delis, they have something called mishmash soup in the kosher delis. What that is is matzo balls, chicken, noodles, vegetables, something called kreplak, which is like a Jewish wonton, whatever. Mishmash soup, everything in one bowl. So what Microsoft is trying to do is give you mishmash soup, except it's not mishmash soup because apps that are designed to work on the desktop version of Windows cannot work on the mobile version of Windows. So basically, all you're getting is a veneer of similarity here. You're getting the face that looks the same, or at least the upper layer is the same, but everything else must be different because you have different processors, different power requirements, and all that stuff, but somehow being presented as one huge deal. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Introducing a Diabetes Breakthrough, an easy, natural, organic way to bring relief to diabetics. Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super strength extract formulated for those who are looking for quick action. Listen to what the revolutionary MDS Forte can do for you. MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs and helps weight loss is non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% money-back guarantee. Waiting for the side effects disclaimers? With MDS Forte, there are none. Order a 25-day treatment of MDS Forte at bestbloodsupport.com or call 213-405-5355. Call 213-405-5355 or go to bestbloodsupport.com. That's bestbloodsupport.com for MDS Forte, a diabetes breakthrough. OpticsPlanet.com is where discerning gun owners and outdoorsmen go to gear up. Optics Planet has the best selection of rifle scopes, red dots, night vision, holsters, bags, and tactical gear on the planet. 
With always low prices, free shipping on most orders, and expert customer service. Go to OpticsPlanet.com slash GCN to get a free gift with purchase. That's OpticsPlanet.com slash GCN. Or call 800-332-OPTICS. 800-332-6784. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold is outperform paper investments yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver, that's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver, utopiasilver.com, or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338, utopiasilver.com, taking back America's health care one American at a time. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. We have Daniel Arundel, we're of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. I'm Gene Steinberg, you're in the Tech Night Owl Live, and we're focusing on Windows 8. Now, my summary, was my summary about all this correct? In the previous segment? About the soup? About the mishmash soup. Well, I mean, Microsoft is kind of in the position of a deli with a little bit here and a little bit there. Unless it- Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. We have Daniel Aaron Dilgrove, Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live, and we're focusing on Windows 8. Now, my summary, was my summary about all this correct? In the previous segment? About the soup? About the mishmash soup. Well, I mean, Microsoft is kind of in the position of a deli with a little bit here and a little bit there, and let's just throw it all into a soup and see, you know, people like it. <laughs> That's kind of what they're doing. But at the same time, I mean, they're, they're desperately observing as the, the PC market is running out of steam because it's just getting to the point where it's, it's a mature device. It's not going to be growing in leaps and bounds like it was. And at the same time, I mean, Apple now has this mobile device that – isn't a direct replacement for the PC. 
but it replaces a lot of what the PC does. So a lot of people like sitting around with an iPad and doodling with it as, an, as opposed to sitting in front of a computer. It's a very mobile way to do computer-type things. So an iPad doesn't do everything a computer does, but it replaces a lot of computers for consumers, you know, a lot of things that you'd normally do with computers. In enterprise stuff, it's even more interesting because there's a lot of people that are issued computers that don't need a computer. So there's people in marketing and sales who are better served by having a mobile device that they can actually show people instead of sitting somebody down at a computer and doing stuff in front of them. Now you have this very kind of intimate device that's like a, you know, it's like a magazine that you're showing people and you could interact with. Whether you're showing somebody what the payments on a device is going to be, that's one example. Another example is when you're walking around doing some utilitarian function and you're recording values or something. That's a lot easier to do when you have a mobile device. So Apple is tuning into the sweet spot of there's a lot of computing things you do that you don't need to have a standard laptop or a desktop computer to do. And when you shrink it down a little bit into the form factor of like the iPad, you have much longer battery life. Instead of running out of battery in a couple hours or you know three hours for a PC laptop, you can run this thing for all workday. It's very mobile. You don't even have to take it out of your airplane bag when you're going through security. So there's a lot of advantages to it. It's, it's simple. It's easy to use. You don't need to like learn how to work in a windowing environment. You just it's it's very accessible, and it fits in this this chasm of price and performance between. Apple's laptops start at $1,000 and go up to, you know, a couple thousand, $3,000 you can spend for a high-end computer. And a $200 smartphone, which is very mobile as well, but it's a little bit small to be working on kind of significant apps. So they have this perfect category for, for their product line. What's interesting is that the PC market doesn't have that. There is no room for new devices to take over and fill a space between thousand dollar laptops because pc laptops are a thousand dollars pc laptops are you know like six hundred dollars you can buy a pc for five hundred dollars you can buy a netbook like a you know gutless mini piece mini laptop in the area of three hundred dollars so who's who of those people are going to go out and buy a five hundred dollar tablet that doesn't work doesn't do everything that a notebook does that's one of the reasons why android tablets have been just crashing and burning you know there's an interesting story here a survey that is being run over at Apple Insider, quoting IDC, a survey of the past quarter pointing out that the share of Android tablets vis-a-vis iPads actually got worse. In other words, fewer Android tablets, proportionately speaking, were sold in the last quarter, meaning that more and more customers are rejecting it. This seems to work against the theory that as more Android tablets appear, they will gain share on the iPad. Yeah, there's been a bit of a backlash because, like I'm saying, people think, oh, I get a tablet, I don't need to have a laptop anymore. But that wasn't the message that Apple sent. That's kind of what Android has been kind of saying. It's like, oh, look, all these things you can do with a tablet. But when when people get a tablet and start using it, they're like, oh, okay, this is kind of fun, but hey, I can't do all the things that I used to do on my computer. I can't just get rid of my computer and go to one of these. So they take it back. And they tell the people, oh, yeah, I got a tablet, but you know, it doesn't really do everything you can do with a computer. To the point where somebody was talking about it was Best Buy or you know, some big box retail store like that. They're asking about an Android tablet, and the guy was like trying to sell them against it. It's like, you know, that doesn't do everything a, a notebook does because we're getting a lot back. 
And I was also looking at the, there was a survey from, I think it was change wave. you know, they survey people and say, what are you likely to buy? And all the Android tablets, if you compare April to September, there was like, you know, a glimmer of interest. And now it's down considerably. It's down to about a third of what it had been previously. So the kind of reality is setting in and they're realizing, oh, you know, among people who don't want to pay for things, which is what Android is focusing at, they especially don't want to pay for a tablet in addition to a computer, especially when that tablet costs more than an iPad anyway. So, I mean, Apple has this very clear sweet spot that, you know, Android can't deliver. And it, it, there's no way that Microsoft can deliver it for its Windows PC licensees either because there's just no room for a tablet in, in the PC world. And that's kind of reflected in the fact that the only kind of tablet PCs that have ever been that have ever existed in the tablet world or the PC world have been like convertible notebooks where you either pull the screen off of your notebook and it kind of works like a tablet or you spin it around and, you know, covers up the keyboard. But the reason why those have sort of found a, a niche is because it is a full it's a it's a full notebook that sort of takes on a tablet interface, touchscreen interface. But again, they're more expensive than a regular notebook and they have drawbacks. So it's not a mass market device. It's something that a few people kind of like, but it's not something that's going to sell like the iPad. And there's nothing that Microsoft has done that conveys any sort of reason for having faith that they're going to duplicate the success of the iPad. Now, there's one thing I was reading here talking about Windows 8 in the test versions that people have seen so far. And what's curious is the media is given one version, but Microsoft is demonstrating a much later version with more features added or even different features. Supposedly, it's the fast boot-up time, but the only way we can confirm this is on a tablet. So we expect that a tablet running no apps with a reasonably fast processor is supposed to boot up quickly. What's so strange about that? But it seems to be like the second coming or something. Well, you know, in the PC market, they've looked at a lot of things that Apple's been making hay about. And they're really, they're really hurt about it. <laughs> you know, this whole idea that, you know, you open a PC laptop, but it takes a long time for, for something to happen. It's frustrating. You shut it down, it takes forever. It's like, what is it doing? You start it up, and it takes a long time. And, you know, Apple's been making a lot of progress and publicizing the fact that, you know, the MacBook Airs, you open them up, they're fast, they shut down fast, they restart quickly. iPad's the same way. So, I mean, they're, they're desperate for trying to get that same feature set. And so when they see Microsoft saying, oh, in a year, we're going to do that ourselves, they're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're already achieved parity with Apple. So, I mean, that's why people are going gaga over it. But one one thing that's kind of interesting about that is that... The um, <laughs> point being here is that supposedly Windows 8, in whatever form it comes, will come out sometime in 2012. They're not saying when. So I assume if Microsoft keeps in the tradition of some of its operating systems, except for Windows Vista, it'll be like October time frame of 2012. So then we'll have iOS 6. We'll have had several updates to Mac OS X Lion. And you have to wonder where or how is Microsoft going to fare against that? In the meantime, with Windows 8 on the horizon, what do people do about Windows Phone 7? They just ignore it? It hasn't gone anywhere. 
It's going to be showing up in Nokia smartphones. Do people say, let's ignore it because Windows 8 is coming out next year and it's going to be better? Oh, no. They're not really competitors, but they're not really complementary either. I mean, they have a similar look, but they don't cre- you don't create apps for one that sort of work on the other. It's not like the iPhone where you, you, know, you embellish your app a little bit and it becomes an iPad app. Seven apps are Silverlight, and they're, it's kind of a totally different group that's working on it and a totally different market and everything. Because the the Metro and you know old style Windows apps are going to be one market, and then they have their Windows Phone Seven market. Hi, Ted Anderson, announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone by calling seven six zero five six nine seventy seven hundred. You'll be hearing GCNLive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNLive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right. Every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNLive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night All Live, and we are focusing on the ins and outs and ups and downs, maybe downs mostly, of Windows 8, supposedly coming in 2012. Now, with all this consumerization, The question would be, what about the enterprise? The enterprise sat out Windows Vista, adopted Windows 7. They're not suddenly going to embrace a new interface, are they? Yeah, I don't think they're going to like Metro. (laughs) I mean... Metro, by the way, sounds like some kind of greasy, you know, sexually explicit film. Watch Metro for all these wild scenes, the next version of Metro in your multiplex. It doesn't sound like an operating system or an interface. Yeah, I mean, it was developed for the Zune, so I mean, it's not it was very much consumer centric. And Windows Phone Seven, I mean, people were saying, "Oh, this is you know the phone that Microsoft built that uses the same tools as you know similar tools as Windows. This is what the enterprise is going to grab up." Remember, Dell said they were going to buy like eighty thousand Windows Phone Seven phones for their for their people. I wonder how that's worked out. <laughs> I always think back to that and think, I wonder how Dell's doing with these like wacko phones that nobody else uses. But with tablets, I mean, there actually is, there, there's a lot of companies that really like Microsoft. And I can, I can see cases where if somebody came with a good tablet, they'd be like, yeah, let's distribute these tablets. We already know how to build apps for them, whatever. But there's a couple problems with that. One is the, the cost problem we talked about. You can't create a cheap tablet that sells in small quantities. So, I mean, Microsoft has to have somebody hitting volumes to create the kind of price that Apple is hitting. And if you have it much more expensive than that, then it's just kind of completely ridiculous. Why would you pay $800 or $900 for a tablet when you can buy a notebook for $600? I mean, it's just getting to the point where it's like, 
this is no longer saving money. You know, it's, it's getting more expensive to have less. Yeah, there's not a real clear value proposition for for enterprises to adopt this. Apple's doing something interesting in that they're reaching the mainstream market and they're making products that are so desirable that companies are saying, hey, are people wanting us to support these in the company? So I guess we're going to. And governments, you know, the, the government, the army and everybody is coming to Apple and saying, okay, we have tried to develop mobile devices of our own and they're fantastically expensive to build and design. We'd much rather just put apps on your device because you've already dialed it in. You know, you've got this device down to being $500, so that works really well for us. Microsoft is kind of in the opposite position of saying, hey, we have a product that, you know, may appeal to some people in the enterprise and may appeal to some customers, but not enough to create a market that's going to sustain low prices. And Microsoft doesn't make the hardware. They're in the same position of, of Google with Android to where they can hope for a lot of things, but if they don't have the ability to make the hardware, they can't make it happen. And if they have you know, 100 different licensees who are all using their stuff, that doesn't create this kind of volume economies of scale that make them cheaper. You have to have one company making all these devices for it to start to scale down with the efficiency that Apple has been seeing. Windows 8, general prediction here is it might be another Vista or another Bob? Well, I definitely think the tablet thing is poorly considered. But it's interesting that everything Microsoft is saying about Windows 8, it's not like they're saying, you know, here's Windows 8, and oh, by the way, we're, we're working on this way to make it work on tablets as well. They're kind of saying, you know, the whole point of Windows 8 is that it runs this new thing, and this is the new thing, is this metro environment. Now, i got to tell you something. I looked at the pictures of the tiles. They seemed flat, dimensionless, and a lot of white type over yellow, almost impossible to read the letters in the pictures I saw. I guess you can change the setting. The point being is Apple has all this dimensionality and shading and everything, and that looks like it's out of the 1990s or something in terms of the interface. It's not new. It looks like something very old and very old-fashioned. Am I wrong? I think Microsoft designers come strongly from a print background because what they look like, I mean, the screenshots of everything from the Zone to Windows Phone to all this Metro stuff looks very much like you took a bunch of print designers and said, make a magazine cover that looks really nice and we'll put it on the screen. That's what it looks like. And the kind of things they're doing with topography, the whole thing about the Zone was, you know, like the, the labels of you know, your menu labels and stuff were kind of going halfway off the screen. That's very much a print thing. So it's kind of avant-garde if it was a magazine. But it's not a magazine. It's a dynamic interface for a device, and you don't really want letters trailing off the side of the screen. And, you know, I see what you're saying about it being kind of flat, too. They're trying to make something that looks different. And I think they're working harder at trying to make something that looks different than trying to make something that looks good and works well. Now, I know one of the screenshots I saw shows you the activity display or task manager on Windows, show the applications that are running, and it looks like the same grungy lettering as previous versions of Windows. So this is just an overlay. You get beneath the overlay, it's the same junk. The other thing they're doing is using more and more of the ribbon, the ribbon being all or most of the major former menu bar commands are now iconic in a toolbar. And so instead of, you know, clicking on a file menu and finding your command, 
you got to look in the toolbar with all these icons and figure out which ones you want. Is that easier? That's supposed to be easier to use? I don't think so. Yeah, I've read things where they're talking about this is why we did it, and we think people are looking for a button right in front of them. And I think it looks terrible, but um, you know, everyone, everyone uses things differently. And some people like it. But, you know, some people like DOS, too. And they, they like knowing, you know, I, I know that all the character commands for were perfect. And I can go into Lotus123 and I know all the, all the totally different character commands for that. And to me, I think, hmm, I would rather have apps that all work the same. And that's what Apple did. You know, it's like they made every application had the same way to copy, same way to paste, same way to save a file, same way to open things. And, you know, under DOS, no. No, it wasn't like that. Every application had its own little key commands and whatever. And yet some people like that. So the fact that Microsoft can dump out garbage doesn't mean that people aren't going to like it necessarily. There's some people that are going to be like, oh, well, I was ready to eat whatever Microsoft was going to serve, and I'm ready to eat this. But, yeah, I mean, from a design standpoint, if you're looking at something critically and you say, is this really a good idea, then having kind of this kind of flat topography that, you know, is animated and it looks nice. I mean, there's like a lot of beautiful background photos. But it's kind of like pastels, you know, flat pastel paintings. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, they're trying, like I said, they're trying to come up with something that looks original. And so if you look at car makers, there's some car makers that make cars that are really beautiful. And there are some car makers that are just making things that are arbitrarily different to look eye-catching. But they're not really beautiful. They look awful. I mean, you know, the company don't drive a Pontiac Aztec. But if you look at that, that's kind of, that's kind of seems like the same design school as Microsoft is what Chevy was doing not too long ago, of just churning things out. And you're like, who designed this? Is it supposed to be, you know, it looks kind of like, whoa, when you see it. But you look at it, you don't think, that's a nice looking car. You think, whoa. And when you get inside of it, you're like, I don't understand who designed this as a car that I'd want to drive. Because it's not comfortable. It's not, you know, it's not ergonomic. It's just, it's just wacky. And I'm not copying the iPad. I'm doing something different and original. I think that's their general idea. So the key is different, anything different. I'm looking at the start screen right now, a screenshot over at CNET.com. And what I'm looking here is that the letters seem to be running off the sides of the screen. I'm looking at white lettering on a green background, white lettering on an orange background, and I can't read the letters, you know. I'm looking at this stuff... And I guess it shows a calendar display. It shows a link to Internet Explorer. And I'm looking at this, and my eyes glaze over because I can't read any of this stuff. If you have a comment or a question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please write us, news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. A little bit later, we'll have Lex Friedman from Macworld Magazine. He's going to talk about the missing iTunes gift card balance And then towards the end of the show, we'll have Seth Rosenblatt from CNET. He's had hands-on experience with Windows 8. He'll tell you all about it coming up. We can read this, all the stuff that Daniel Aaron Dilger does for Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. More to come on the other side of the Tech Night Owl Live. Ray Perkins a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born. 
calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack! Attack! of the Rockaway, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. A newcomer from Midas Resources, September 16th, 2011. Gold opened this morning at 1785.10. A one-ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1828.96, 914.48 for a half ounce, or 457.24 for a quarter ounce. That's 1828.96, 914.48, and 457.24. Gold isn't for you? Hi, I'm Ted Anderson, and I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed the government is doing a great job. The Fed will stop handing out trillions like bailout candy, but that's not what's happening. If all looks rosy, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked while gold has risen 1,600%. Savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. Find out what they know. Call us and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do better. Very well. Free. Call 800-686-2237. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Jason Lewis here. You know, we talk daily about all the crazy stuff going on. Concerns with the economy, job loss, natural disasters. Let me ask you, what are you doing to be prepared? How will you provide for you and your family in an emergency? Well, for my preparation, I recommend WiseFoodStorage.com. WiseFoodStorage.com offers delicious, ready-made, freeze-dried meals that carry a 25-year shelf life, and you prepare them in minutes by simply adding water. Wise Company entrees are packaged in individual metal Mylar pouches, then stored in convenient grab-and-go plastic containers for freshness and easy transport. Go to wisefoodstorage.com today to request a free entree sample. Also, for a limited time, go to wisefoodstorage.com and enter promo code LEWIS to get no-cost shipping on any order. That's wisefoodstorage.com, promo code LEWIS, and don't forget to request a free sample. wisefoodstorage.com, gourmet emergency food at the best price. For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver, that's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver, utopiasilver.com, or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. Utopiasilver.com, taking back America's health care one American at a time. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. 
If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes. We have Daniel Arundilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com talking about Windows 8. And I'm looking at the start menu, and it's but ugly. It's hard to read the lettering, and I think it's a very important thing. And this is something I emphasize in design of sites. You want to make everything pop out at you, not force you to strain to read something. Am I wrong? Well, yeah, and it should also be conceptually simple. If you look at Apple's iOS devices, there's this very simple like homepage thing. No matter where you're at, you push the homepage, and boom, you're back into this. Oh, I'm back into icons. So you can hand an iPhone to somebody who's 80 and is not familiar with using technology, and they can you know play with it. And it's like, oh, I can do this, I can do that. It pushes button. Oh, I'm back to where I was, you know, familiar. If you look at Windows, it's never been like that. It's always been just, you know, I, I've done tech support for years, decades, not quite. But you see people that are just stuck somewhere and they're like, I have no idea where to go from here. That's the problem that Apple is solving with this very simple jump screen. Now, kind of tech people, and especially younger people, like the idea of just loading fun- functionality on things. So what happens if you double-click on it? What happens if you triple-click on it get a contextual menu? And you should be able to do all these other things and you could da 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 And it starts to get kind of complicated, so Apple's trying to make things that work kind of for everybody. And if you want to do something complicated, you go into an app and do it. But the overall environment that you're working in, they're trying to simplify it. And that's what they've been doing to the Lion desktop, is trying to make things so that instead of having to read a huge book, it just makes sense how things work. Microsoft has always been to look at what Apple's doing and then try to do something different. So instead of having the menu bar at the top, they put the menu bar on the bottom. And create the start menu, that everything you do starts with the start menu. And that was kind of, I mean, Microsoft doing the start menu was doing something similar to what Apple would, you know, 15, 20 years later, do with the home button, this kind of idea of simplicity. But instead of dropping you into this kind of simple launcher, the start menu is this huge monstrosity of multiple layers of going down, drilling through submenus, and it's laid out in a way that makes no sense. I mean, start's first option is shutdown. And then you go, it's just a mess. And the reason it's a mess is that it was kind of, they took the program manager, which was already a mess, and said, hmm, how can we turn this into a start menu? And they just kind of forced it in there. And so it, the way it's organized, it's legacy back into before Windows, but it's just, it's just awful. And so now what they're doing with Metro is saying, hmm, let's take the start menu that we already have and change it. Well, they're killing all the legacy of anyone who ever mastered the start menu it makes you know they're certainly not going to be reused what they used to know and they're also starting off everybody who's new to it pulling in enough legacy to where it's just kind of like why does it have these options but yeah it, it is it is kind of weird how they're doing that and so you have this kind of metro look and then you have these you know menus that come in inside that you have options you can hit and then you know if you launch a windows 7 app it everything goes away and suddenly you're back into Windows land. So yeah, it is It is a mess. And you know, it's still a work in progress. But like you're saying, I mean, these are all being demoed on fast hardware. I think it's a Core i3 in the Samsung test device they're giving people, which 
is a bit of a bait and switch because if you're expecting this to run on an ARM device, it's it's going to run a lot differently. Yeah, it runs fast because that's a pretty fast box. Also, I kind of wonder what kind of battery life they're getting on those tablets. Yeah, I mean the the current tablet they have is a it's basically a laptop without a keyboard, so it's not. It's a, basically kind of a cobbled together thingamajig. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. I mean, I would, I'm just blown away looking historically through time and how much money and how much resources that Microsoft has wasted for all of its licensees. You know, look at Samsung. How many failed tablets has Samsung made? They didn't sell, you know, they haven't sold a million of all of them. I mean, I'm not talking about the Android tablets. I'm talking about before that. There was a decade-long period when Samsung was just like their cheerleader in making the, the Q1 all these, they call them tablet PC. Then now it's ultra mobile PC, UMPC, and blah, blah, blah. And all these companies that made Blade for her devices and, you know, just waves and waves and waves of junk that did not sell. And how many decades can Microsoft do this? Have all these licensees jumping through like stupid hoops. And the only reason they keep coming back is because Microsoft controls the PC market. So they're making everybody else make all these other stupid devices on the side that are complete waste of time. They're Designed poorly, they they just don't work. They're conceptually bad. And how many millions of millions of dollars these companies have just dumped into all this garbage? So well, I mean, it's not- well, they can't, of course, sue Microsoft. They opted to do it. Oh yeah, I mean, willingly wasted money. But there's not a lot of markets where one company is just spreading stupid throughout the industry. I mean, cars aren't like that. You don't have. There's not like one company that just forces everyone to make stupid cars that don't make sense, that nobody buys, that just end up in a landfill. But it's because Microsoft has had this OS monopoly on PCs, that they can dictate a lot of things that don't make any sense. It's very kind of Soviet, you know? It's, it's a, you know, a, a messed up market. They kind of feel they're entitled to it. It's their entitlement to be dominant. Well, I mean, that's what happens when you're in control of something, is that you begin to make decisions that don't make any sense. If you're not in control of something, for example, Apple is not in control of mobile devices. I mean, they don't sell all the world's smartphones. They don't have any sort of monopoly in, in terms of devices. I mean, the iPad is popular, but it's not a monopoly. Anybody can make a competitor. So Apple has to constantly be competitive. And when you're constantly being competitive, you don't have, you don't have the ability to waste resources doing things that are really stupid. If you want to really compete, you have to do things that are smart. But if you're in a market where somebody dominates to the point where if somebody controls everyone else, it's not just being popular. Microsoft didn't get into its monopoly position by just being popular because people didn't even pick Microsoft. They just bought PCs and, oh, here's Microsoft. So once you, once you get in and you start dominating everything with this, I mean, Microsoft really charges a tax on every PC sold. And they're in the position of just being this like, oh, well, we make billions of dollars. We can just waste it on stupid stuff. It's very much like Google. Google makes so much money from advertising that they can just blow out, oh, here's Android, you know, boom. We don't care if you have malware because it's not our problem. It doesn't affect our ability to get advertising money. As long as we get advertising money, well, that's your problem. If one day we don't get the advertising money that we expect to get, well, then maybe we'll look into it. I was waiting for you to say something. No. (laughs) Let me ask you here. We're just about out of time. Tell our listeners where they can find more of the things that emerge from the keyboard at the home or office of Daniel Aaron Dilger. I write for Roughly Drafted, 
and roughlydrafted.com. And I also write for Apple Insider. And the stuff you write for Apple Insider is very extensive. Commentary, straight news reports, lots and lots of reviews. You get a handle on all the new Apple gear there. Yeah. Stay pretty busy. That sounds good. Daniel Aaron Dilger, once again, it's roughlydrafted.com and also appleinsider.com, which has lots of other articles by other people, too. We won't mention them until they come on the show. Daniel Aaron Dilger, thank you so much for joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. All right. Thanks for having me, Gene. This is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. SellYourMac.com purchases used Apple computers, iPhones, iPads, and iPods through a safe, no-hassle transaction. They're a BBB-accredited business with an A-plus rating. You can rest assured you'll get paid for your expensive devices. They're in this business because they love Apple products. They want you to have the latest and greatest Apple gear available. Selling your used Mac, iPhone, or iPad will greatly reduce the cost of a new purchase. Get a free quote now from SellYourMac.com. Ready to save? Then you're ready for the Super Summer Sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with Uhimbi and Super Femplex for summer toning. Buy Glucosamine Chondroitin 60 cap summer sale priced at only $12. Colon and Answer 250 caps summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time. Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. 
Before you throw away your used batteries, you need to listen to this. Now, going green can save money. Go green and save money by giving life to your used batteries by charging them with the Renaissance Charger. The Renaissance Charger uses a new revolutionary battery charging technology that effectively extends the life of new batteries and gives new life to used batteries. Invented by legendary audio genius John Bedini, this unique and patented charging system rejuvenates the electrochemical plate structure in the battery without additives, increasing capacity and maintaining cell integrity. Renaissance Charge offers a full line of products made in the USA for all types and sizes of batteries. Find out why our customers tell us the Renaissance Charger is the only battery charger they will ever use. Save your money. Save the environment. Visit us online at r-charge.com. That's r-charge.com. Or call us at 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. Be a part of the revolution today. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. So, Lex Friedman from Macworld Magazine, there was a story a while back that when Lion first came out, some people who bought a copy for twenty nine ninety nine found themselves charged for that copy again and again and again and even again and again. So what happened? You know, it's that's <laughs> that was an interesting thing that was happening to those people. And in that case, Apple was very kind and refunded everybody and said that in that case, Apple acknowledged that it was an error on their end. I think it might have even had to do with PayPal. Well, PayPal, you understand, PayPal can be flaky. Yes, for sure. And it's uh, PayPal is definitely a, a pretty buggy service, one that I try to avoid whenever possible. And I think, honestly, that it's unrelated to the, the broader iTunes hack that I wrote about recently. Well, explain what the hack is about. What do we sure. mean? And are the 200 million people who have credit cards stored at the iTunes servers in danger of anything? So I called it the Towson hack, and I'll explain why. What happened is, uh, starting in November of 2010, customers started complaining that they would put in gift credit. So they'd get an iTunes gift card. They'd type in the code into iTunes on their computers. They'd save their gift card credit there. And uh, a few days later, they would log in and see that all their gift credit was gone, spent on apps that they hadn't intended to purchase uh, and had no recollection of having purchased. The reason I call it the Towson hack is because in many cases, especially early on for the first few months of this attack where people would put in their iTunes credit and then a few weeks later it would be gone, uh, they would notice two other things. One, their credit card had been removed entirely from their account. And two, their billing address had been updated to a, a city in Towson, Maryland that uh, none of the victims actually lived in. So this has now been going on for just under a year where folks will type in their iTunes gift card credit. They'll not spend it all right away. And then within – sometimes you know it's weeks, but oftentimes within days, that credit gets zeroed out purchasing one of several kinds of apps. Now on the surface, I think that somebody in Towson, Maryland is actually hacking – that was, you know, one initial thought that I had too. It looks like Towson is a an innocent bystander in this hack. What I think is happening is one of one of two things. Many of the people who see these purchases happen that use up almost all of their gift credit, leaving literally under a dollar left. Many of the apps that get purchased are Chinese apps. They're Chinese language apps that are from Chinese language developers that the the customers in question have no interest in. And what I think is happening there is 
these developers are creating rogue apps, basically, or, or fairly useless apps. They're getting approved into the App Store, then stealing people's credit to buy it in the hopes that they'll get their 30% cut from Apple or move up the iTunes ranking charts and keep that going for as long as they can until Apple gets wise to that app's misbehavior and shuts it down. So a lot of the developers who were exploiting this hack, I believe, late 2010, are now gone from the App Store completely. Without comment and without explanation, Apple's removed them completely from the App Store. Now, in the case of the Android OS, if something like this happens, there's a fraudulent app that's doing weird things. Will Google remove it? Generally speaking, no. Google says that they're, because their store is open, they don't police it. Oh. Yeah. That doesn't sound too pretty. No, I certainly, it's... Uh, so, I mean, unless- if I pay for an app in the Android market, and that app is a fraud, and I'm being charged for a fraudulent purchase, my only recourse is to go to the bank that I'm using to get credit. Right. And that, that wouldn't help you in the case of this Towson hack, since it's using your iTunes gift your iTunes gift credit as opposed to your credit card. So you asked me initially, you know, is your credit card safe? And the answer is yes. They can't get to your credit card. What they're getting to is your gift credit. And if, if somebody's given that to you, your only recourse uh, with the iTunes store is to go straight to Apple and ask them to refund your stolen credit. Now, I mentioned these Chinese apps. I, there's another situation that happens with this, the same hack, the same, you know, the same approach, the same zeroing out of your gift balance that involves another kind of purchase altogether, and that's in-app purchases. And this one, I, I think, gets a little bit trickier. Now, explain to our listeners, not everyone is sophisticated about all the jargon. In-app purchases means you're using an app and there's some kind of link that lets you buy an added or enhanced version? Exactly. So you can purchase, you know, in, if it's a game, you might be able to get extra weapons or extra levels. And if it's a, a different kind of app, you might just unlock different functionality by paying. And it uses your same iTunes account. So you push the buttons within the app, you authenticate by providing your password, and you're allowed to make these purchases from within the app that ex- enhance that app without having to leave and go out to the app store. So what's happening for, for many victims of this Towson hack is there, uh, you know, uh, there's a game that gets purchased, or it's actually a free game. So there's a game that gets installed on their account without their consent called Kingdom Conquest. It's by Sega. Then the in-app purchases are racked up to buy currency in the game. The game has some coins, and people are using the, the store credit to purchase this stuff that, that these folks don't want. It almost now, sounds think- like what you get when you go to a casino. And you buy these chips to bet. Right. And, and I don't think that Sega is behind the hack when it's Kingdom Conquest is involved. Sega is a pretty massive company, and I don't believe that they're trying to steal people's store credit. So the theory that I sort of have formulated here is that perhaps there's you – know, whoever figured out how to do the Towson hack in the first place adapt or sold the code to somebody else. And now that what they're doing is – they look through accounts and they say, oh, Lex has got $45 of in-store credit. I'll sell that to somebody for $10 and then they can have some fun using his account credentials uh, up until they run out of the funds. So I think something like that's happening and then folks are saying, well, I'm going to play this Kingdom Conquest game or I'm going to play these other games that have in-app purchases and I can have fun with this game using these in-app purchases that I'm getting essentially for free or highly discounted because I've purchased access to this account with all this store credit. But in the end, you'll get credit back if you show fraud. That's right. Right now, Apple has Apple's been consistent in two ways. One, they've been consistent in that they'll refund your money if uh, you complain to them that you've been a victim of the hack. But two, uh, they have acknowledged no 
publicly, they have acknowledged no sort of widespread hacker attack on iTunes. Apple believes and has maintained publicly that this is, at its core, an issue of phishing. Okay, so it's just to them an occasional problem. But maybe they say that because it's spin control. You don't want to frighten your customers. Right. I mean, Apple's suggestion here really is that people are using weak passwords that uh, are easily hacked and or that they've entered those passwords into some web form that's run by a hacker and not run by Apple. Now, I talked to various victims directly. I didn't know there's plenty. You can find forum threads on Apple's community site that are 600 700 posts long. Uh, but I've talked on the phone to some of these people and I've had people say, you know, I, I do, uh, I run the IT department for this motorcycle company or, you know, I'm in, I do, you know, tech security for this company. And they know about secure passwords and they know about phishing and they don't fall victim to it. So I feel like it must go beyond phishing a bit. Mm. For a while, I was confused. Why aren't these folks, uh, why, why isn't anybody getting their credit cards stolen? If the hackers have access to their accounts and they can, Make these in-app purchases uh, using their, uh, or make these purchases and in-app purchases using these folks' store credit. Why aren't they going ahead and using the credit card that's linked to the account? And uh, the answer is actually pretty easy. It's that if you try to use a new computer to make a credit card purchase within the iTunes Store, it requires that you provide the CVV code, that three or four-digit extra code that's separate from your main credit card number. So you have to know what the rear of the credit card looks like. Exactly. So if you find accounts with store credit, then you can just use that and not have to worry about trying to figure out, you know, there's a thousand or more options for what their, uh, what their CVV code might be. So you can avoid having to deal with that if you find an account with store credit. Now, the question to me is, how are they finding these accounts with store credit? And Apple, of course, will not admit that they're being hacked. Right. Apple's only comment to me on the record was that they, uh, you know that the company believes that this is phishing and that they recommend that you use a secure password, change your password if you f- feel you've been a victim. I will note that their position in- then is that they're somehow the customer has allowed this to happen by inattention to the password. Exactly right. It's your fault, not theirs. Precisely. And I'll tell you, it's uh, I I don't. <sighs> I'm 80% convinced that Apple's right because the, were there any other kind of deeper exploit, this has been going on, like I said, for just under a year. I have to believe that Apple would, A, have found a fix by now and or B, been required to disclose to its customers because California has laws about this sort of thing. You have to disclose if personal data becomes revealed to, to intruders. Sure. I'll get into this in a moment with you. Lex Friedman from Macworld. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then... A coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack Attack. of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack Attack. of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack! Attack! 
of the Rockaways, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Local Army-Navy surplus stores are hard to find these days, but not military-issue supplies. They're right here online at MainMilitary.com. That's right, just like the state, M-A-I-N-E, Military.com. We have everything for true, total preparedness. MainMilitary.com is not a typical website. It has much more than your old surplus store. Quality military-issue survival gear like canteens, mess kits, utensils, gas masks, filters, and chemical suits, magnesium fire starting tools strike anywhere waterproof and storm matches first aid kits splints tourniquets parachute 550 cord military manuals sandbags by the bail and a huge molly assortment of vests and pouches for every need Call 207-989-6783, 207-989-6783, or visit MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E, Military.com, the main name in military supply. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget... CrossbreedHolsters.com Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Heart and Body Extract continues to receive positive testimonials from people who have experienced amazing results, like Reed. I just wanted to send you a quick but a very big thank you for Heart and Body Extract. I've been on the formula for nearly a month now, and the improvement in the circulation of my legs has been simply amazing. Reed was facing a tough choice. I was facing surgery. Due to the severity of the 100% blocked arteries in both my legs, and my decision waiting for surgery to say no and try heart and body extract instead has been thankfully the right decision. And the result? I can now walk up steps without noticeable pain. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. Lex Friedman from Macworld joining us this week. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. You can be nowhere else. We're looking into this hacking, phishing, whatever, this scam being perpetrated on users of iTunes who get these credits. They get these credits, these gift cards, and suddenly one day you wake up and they disappear. Now, after you wrote this article for Macworld, did you get a lot of response from people to whom it's happened? 
Yes, I mean, as I had mentioned, you know, there's first there's a forum thread on Apple site that's you know 45 pages long or more now, and it had 700 plus posts. And many of those people and many other folks have written to me either via Twitter or email to say this happened to me too, and I can't believe that Apple hasn't made a bigger deal out of this yet. But I, I heard from folks again and again uh, who've been victim. The hack is very consistent. You know, you put in the store credit, and sometimes with just within hours, if you don't spend it, it gets taken. And to me, that's the scariest part. If they can find within 24 hours that you've added store credit to your account, how are they doing that? If, if Apple's right and it's just simple phishing, that means they probably have your password already and then have some system by which they check all these accounts each day to see if there's new store credit put in there. So they basically do auto-logins. Right. And they I mean, have some way of recognizing that suddenly the available balance changes. Exactly. Okay. And as soon as they find it, they're, they're making automated, seemingly automated purchases, either in-app purchases or you know, actual Chinese-based apps. And they're doing so in the, right, in the right permutation so that they can use up just about all of your gift card credit. You know, people get left with 20 cents, 70 cents, you know, some very small amount of whatever they had in there to start. Well, I don't know. Maybe I hope there will be no store credits. Or if I do, I'll use the credit up yesterday. That's right. Now, the good news is back in June, Apple started sending an email to customers who make purchases from new devices. You might have seen this yourself if you get a new iPhone 4 or a new iPad. The first time you purchase an app from a new device, you'll get an email and it says your Apple ID was just used to purchase the app from the App Store on a computer or device that had not been previously associated with your Apple ID. I believe that Apple started that email directly in response to this hack because now at least you'll see, hey, I don't recall purchasing you know, this app whose name I don't even know how to say because it's in a foreign language. Uh, and you can know that you're uh, – you, as soon as you see that email, if you have store credit, you know to go check on it. Make sure it's there if you don't recognize the app that's your claim to have purchased. And that's when you have to reach out to Apple. And Apple has, like I said, very consistently done right by customers who are afflicted and gives them their money back. But uh, if you want to avoid that nightmare altogether, like you said, if you have store credit, use it all up at once. <laughs> Right. And if you get a present, you know, like for your birthday and someone wants to buy you a new computer, you better get that thing ordered right away. And now. the good news is, you know, there are hundreds of people who've been affected by this, maybe even a thousand. But at the same time, Apple has hundreds of millions of accounts. So even if this, even if this has affected 5,000 people, it's still just a drop in the bucket. So you're, it's much more likely that you're not going to get bit by the iTunes hack than that you will. And what's funny is so many people who get afflicted by this end up saying, I'm scared of iTunes now. I'm going to remove my credit card or I'm going to delink my PayPal account. And really, those are the safe ways to have your money in iTunes. Nobody's been able to hack your iTunes credit card. They're only able to get at the gift card credits. So if you really want to be safe, just use your credit card and don't put any store credit in at all. And be careful about your PayPal account. Speaking of PayPal, you say flaky. Anything to share about what they're doing that's flaky or questionable? Or is it just general inconsistency? You know, I haven't found many retailers online that will charge you multiple times. You know, I've never had Amazon bill me multiple times erroneously when I wanted to purchase one of something. Uh, the only time I've seen that occur personally, and the only, honestly, the only time I've read about having widespread issues like that is when PayPal gets involved. Now, I think PayPal was involved with the folks who bought Lion and ended up having it purchased multiple times. And I know from personal experience, I've made purchases where they, they run the number more than once. So when I say, when I think of PayPal as flaky, I, I think their website is lousy and is perennially lousy. And I think that the, uh, their customer service is almost non-existent, and I think that their their fees are unfair too. I, there's there's really just nothing about the PayPal service I like other than its ubiquity. 
Well, that's it, the compatibility. Just parenthetically, when Apple developers are getting their payments from the App Store, the Mac App Store, Apple gives it to them as a check, PayPal, what? You know, I'm, I'm not certain. I know that uh, Apple takes its 30% cut and you get 70%. And I think that, uh, I believe at least in the U.S., what they do is they cut you a check when, you, when you've met certain minimums. Well, that's better. Okay. Right. As long as the check doesn't get lost in the mail, I'll go for a check that says it's from Apple. Right. Now, when I ask you one other thing related to phishing and everything, back to that Mac Defender virus scare, the scareware thing where a Mac user clicks on a site and it says you've got a problem on your Mac, we'll sell you this antivirus software, this fake antivirus software. Apple protected you against that with their own, I guess, antivirus strings for Snow Leopard, I guess for Lion. So have we heard much more about that? Is that gone and done with? You know, I haven't heard a single complaint about it uh, since Apple released updates for both Snow Leopard and Lion that aimed to ensure that you have updated malware definitions at all time. You know, really, the, the only way to get it was to explicitly say, you know, I want to download and run this thing. Sometimes they could force the download, but you still had to run the Mac Defender app. And uh, I believe that Apple has really curbed it with their... Uh, the software updates. I suppose if you're still running Leopard, Mac OS 10.5, you could be at risk because that that OS did not qualify for Apple's automatic malware definition update. And Apple's slowly removing support for older operating systems for security updates. Right. Okay. So is Leopard still supported or is it only Tiger that is gone? So if I have a Leopard machine, I can't get Snow Leopard or Lion for whatever reason. Am I stuck? I mean, it's, it depends on your definition of stuck. You're stuck if you want to make sure you have the, the latest security definitions. Apple doesn't have that malware process in place. So you could it'd be easier, in theory, to fall victim to Mac Defender and others of that ilk if you were still running Leopard because Apple hasn't released any patches for it. And the way Apple works, they probably never will. Right. Now, the, the good news is if you have a Mac that can support it, both of the OS upgrades that you need are, are fairly affordable. Speaking of Lion, with Lion, Apple sold a million the first 24 hours. There was a story saying that of the 6% of total PC users on the planet, 6% use Macs. Of that 6%, 1% of those was using Lion. That's millions of copies. Apple sold that many versions, that many copies of Lion? That's, I mean, it's to me, it's pretty amazing. The, I think that the... The way that Apple can be uh, as successful as it's been with Lion is attributable, in my mind, to three factors. One, it's a it's a pretty good OS, and pe- when people look at the descriptions of what it does and how it works, they c- tend to come away impressed. Two, it's a very cheap OS. You know, as these things go, Lion is, you know, thirty bucks, and you have a, a new operating system. And Microsoft has never had any operating system that goes that cheap. Well, you and, know, if you're an OEM, I guess you pay what forty dollars is what. The average OEM company, the large company, pays to Microsoft for each user license. Right. But that's when they buy six million or something at a time. Right. I only bought one copy of Line, uh, and you know that's that's the third thing is that it's, it's pretty easy to get. You know now you can go to the the, Mac, uh, the Apple Store and buy it on a, a USB stick. But as long as you have a Mac running Snow Leopard, you can literally download Line from the Mac App Store without having to drop a DVD in your computer or connect anything else, and it's just right there and installs by itself. Now, some people are complaining about problems with Lion. I even heard a couple of people say, this is Apple's Microsoft Vista, Apple's (laughs) version of Windows Vista, which, of course, was this kind of flawed 
fated to fail operating system, although they sold hundreds of millions of copies anyway. But that was the definition. Do you think Lion is fatally flawed? Uh, not even a little. I would say first, Apple would be delighted to have problems like Microsoft Vista, since, as you said, you know, it sold millions and millions of copies. But uh, I think Lion is excellent. I think that it shows its flaws as a essentially a 1.0 release of a new OS. I don't find it more flawed than I found Snow Leopard. I simply find it differently flawed. Uh, Snow Leopard was excellent. If you're happy with Snow Leopard and you don't upgrade to Lion Let because, yet because you're not the kind of person who likes to be the early adopter and you'd rather let other people work out the bugs, I can respect that. But I've been running Lion for, for, uh, since the initial developer previews, and I've never looked back. I think it's, it's excellent. It's very, very solid, solid for me. You know, Literally today I had my first uh, kernel panic since I began running Lion a couple months back. That's when you know, the, the computer really fully shuts down. You have to restart everything. I haven't seen one of those in, in months and months, and I had one today. And If, if I keep having the, the record of you know, one every three to five months, I'll be okay with that. What was happening when you had the kernel panic? It turned out that it was related to my magic trackpad, I believe, because the the Mac and the trackpad were having trouble connecting. The, it kept connecting and disconnecting over and over again in an endless cycle. And once I shut off the magic trackpad, the uh, the computer was able to start up because I was I kernel panicked and it happened two or three times in a row as the computer kept restarting. Once I took the batteries out of the trackpad, the computer started up, put the batteries back in, and the trackpad began behaving as well. Weird, weird, maybe one of a time, one of a place. Exactly. If you have a comment or a question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please write us, news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Lex Friedman from Macworld. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We are back with Lex Friedman from Macworld. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night All Live. And I asked you this question before we started, and I'm not going to insist that you have any other comments or anything big. Microsoft this week is unveiling Windows 8. Supposedly, it's the same operating system on the desktop, the Intel AMD processors, and on the ARM processors. Let me just mention this in passing. So you have journalists who go there for the Microsoft rollout, and they get tablet computers to test it on. The tablets are running a core i5 processor with a 64-gigabyte solid-state drive. In other words, a pretty decently powerful PC. They're not showing it on the ARM processor. Hmm. 
I mean, to, to me, it's I, I have found the the this Windows 8 story kind of hilarious because, as you're saying, you know, they're running it on hardware that essentially needs a fan to keep it cool. They're not they're not showing it on the hardware that you'd expect to see in a tablet form, and uh, they're showing both hardware and software that's not available to consumers yet, and they say it won't be for a year. Uh, I I can't imagine that anybody in Cupertino is afraid of a product that's not yet been released on real hardware that's not yet available for anyone to use who's an actual customer. It's uh, I I have said this on your show before, Gene. You know I love when Apple has good competition. I like that you know Android's out there and when they innovate before the iPhone does this thing, I appreciate that Apple's got to play catch up because that keeps everybody honest, keeps everybody innovating. And I think that it's it's fantastic that Microsoft, unlike most other tablet OS creators here, doesn't appear in my mind to be blatantly ripping off the iPad's interface. They're doing some things that are unique in Windows 8, and they, they have some new looks and new approaches. I'm not necessarily better, but new. I'll but tell you I what, like- I'm looking at a screenshot right now yep. of the Windows 8 start menu. And this is supposedly mimicking what you get in Windows Phone 7. So you have tiles or these rectangular pictures. Right. And the only separation is the color insertion. You see little bars of color between them because they are totally flat. There's no dimensionality or shading. It looks like some flat illustrations from the 1980s. And I'm seeing like white type against green and blue and red. And you can barely read the things. So you've got to strain just to be able to read the labels to see what they are. Instead of jumping out at you, it's just a bunch of text. Right. And it looks a butt ugly to me. Now, maybe Microsoft will figure this out, and they'll find a way to make the start screen look fancier. But is this the way you introduce a new operating system with your worst feature? And you can't even prove it runs well on the low-power processor that an iPad or one of the Android tablets run on. That's just my observation. I would say, you know, to me, the most telling part about Microsoft's approach here is that they, as you mentioned, they're trying to get this tablet OS so that they can use the same OS on their computers too, right? They want it to function on desktops and laptops, tablets and smartphones. They want Windows 8 to be uh, available on any machine that can run Windows, right? So that's exactly the opposite of the direction Apple took. Apple said, let's we're going to make a new version. They say, you know, it's still OS 10 at the core, but uh, iOS and Mac OS Lion are different beasts. They, they run differently. They look differently. They treat things differently. And that's, that was Apple's take. They said, you know, if we're going to do tablet computing, right, it's got to be its own thing. And if we're going to do desktop computing, it's got to be its own thing because the needs are so different. And uh, Microsoft's trying to avoid that reality. And the other thing about it, of course, is that, yes, there are some iOS-style elements for Lion, but you don't have to use them. You don't have to use reverse scrolling. It's right. one checkbox. You don't have to have the scroll bars that only appear when you mouse over them if they're necessary to get to another position on the document. You just make another checkbox, and it's there. Right. You don't have to use Launchpad, which is, of course, mimics the supposed desktop or launcher interface of the iOS. don't have to use it. You don't have to use any of the things that you don't want. You're not confronted with this stuff in your face. You don't suddenly have the case of the disappearing menu bar. Right. Where's my menu bar? Oh, you got a ribbon. It's got all the command there and a mass of barely distinguishable icons. You don't have to have it. And the other thing I wonder here about Microsoft is supposedly Microsoft is big on focus group testing. So aren't there customers telling them this looks butt ugly? <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, I, I imagine it's the kind of thing where they look for uh, which thing do people hate less, and then they run with that one. <laughs> you know, for me, one of the things that Microsoft has continually aimed for with, with its mobile OSs is they want to say, look, you can run your Windows apps here. You know, you'll be able to run Microsoft Office on your new Windows tablet. But only if it's recompiled for an ARM processor. Right. Whereas, but Apple. But says, at that point, then, how is Office, a full flavored version of Office, can barely run on a fairly high power Intel or AMD processor? Now you're taking an ARM processor, which is basically what? Kind of like what you'd buy in a Mac or a PC seven or eight years ago. It's going to run on that with decent performance? What am I missing? It's exactly the opposite, again, of what Apple's approach is, right? Apple said, we, we've rewritten pages and numbers and Keynote, and we've made iPad-specific versions. They now work on the iPhone as well because, uh, you know, Apple doesn't think that you have to just take the version user computer and drag all of its functionality. It might be a little bit more streamlined. There might be some features missing on the iPad that you could get on the Mac, but they're saying these are two different use cases and two different experiences. You'd rather have a, a touch-friendlier version of this app, even if it's lacking a few features when you're using it on the iPad, because trying to get the full desktop experience on the tablet just isn't going to translate properly. Microsoft has this Windows everywhere illusion. Yes. Everywhere is Windows, even when there are no Windows. I mean, if you look at Windows Phone 7, it's not an OS that has Windows. Everything is full screen. I don't understand the definition of the term if Windows everywhere, but there are no Windows there. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, well. There you go. So... Want to make any predictions that this is going to be another huge failure on Microsoft's part? I'll tell you I can think here that what's going to happen with the enterprise, the enterprise doesn't want surprises. If they're updating their PC, they're going to update their PC, and it's 2012 and they have Windows 7 and Windows 8 that they can buy. And they look at this new interface and they have to retrain users not to have a menu bar, users to deal with tiles rather than the start menu. They'll say, no, I'm going to stick with what I have unless you can show me this new way of doing things is better, more efficient, and I can train my employees without having to waste a lot of money. Right. I can't say that I'm confident that they'll have success with it, Gene, but I, you know, I, I just keep going back to I'd love for them to at least find some success because I think it's good for the whole industry when people can figure out ways to do things well. Right now, I don't think that Apple has anything to be afraid of. Uh, whether we're talking about the tablet or the desktop. I think Apple's quite content with its current market share on the desktop and would certainly be happy to grow it, but I don't think they're worried about losing any points to Microsoft based on what they've seen uh, that Microsoft's been showing with Windows 8. And certainly on the tablet side, I mean, it's you have to get the whole ecosystem in place. Apple has such a, a head start right now that it's almost unfair to all of their competitors. It's not just can you get a decent tablet experience, which I think is still a question mark for Windows, but it's also... Can you get developers who are, A, excited about making apps, B, making good quality apps, and C, making such good quality apps that people want to own them because they look and feel like they belong on that tablet? You know, when you've got 20, 30, 40,000 iPad-specific apps in the App Store, if, you know, if somebody comes out with a competitor, uh, a competitor tablet, they're starting from zero, right? They have, you know, maybe 5, 10, 12 stock apps, but you're still waiting on a developer community to create create that full immersive experience right now my ipad can turn into anything it can turn into a a twitter machine it can turn into a video game system it can turn into a word processor if your tablet can't turn into those things i don't want to use it well you know it's interesting too that the market share of the ipad in the last quarter 
actually grew. They were saying, of course, that as more and more of these Android tablets come out or competing tablets, that Apple's market share would decrease. It didn't because people aren't buying those other products. Or if they do, they just return them. Right. <laughs> and it, what's amazing to me is I've seen some pundits who are telling us that, you know, since the HP sold so many of its fire sale touchpads at 99 bucks that the lesson to learn here is that Apple is overcharging for the iPad. And <laughs> that is so clearly not the lesson to learn here since HP is losing hundreds of dollars on every $99 uh, tablet that it sells. I just uh, – I think it's clear that people are buying – people aren't going to the store and saying, let me pick out the best tablet for me. People are saying, I want an iPad. That's everybody, it. Everybody, and when they try these other things and they're told, well, it's just as good or better in the iPad, and they try and they say – there's no apps. It's slow. It's buggy. I'm turning it back. We're not turning back on Lex Friedman from Macworld. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. SellYourMac.com purchases used Apple computers, iPhones, iPads, and iPods through a safe, no-hassle transaction. They're a BBB-accredited business with an A-plus rating. You can rest assured you'll get paid for your expensive devices. They're in this business because they love Apple products. They want you to have the latest and greatest Apple gear available. Selling your used Mac, iPhone, or iPad will greatly reduce the cost of a new purchase. Get a free quote now from SellYourMac.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. As many people know, ever since President Nixon took us off the gold standard, the U.S. dollar has been devaluating. What people don't know, however, is how this directly affects your personal finances. Is there a way to protect your portfolios from losing value? The answer to all of this is gold and silver. They both have maintained their purchasing power for 6,000 years. If you had $100,000 in cash and $100,000 in gold and silver back in 1913 and kept them until now, your cash would have the buying power of only $4,800. But your gold and silver would have the buying power of $3 million. The answer to protecting your assets is simple. Call John Ballman today at 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. Get all your questions answered before your money is worth zero. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. Take action today while we still accept paper dollars for gold. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. Are you tired of spending money for metal canning lids year after year? Then stop! Stop buying metal lids and get Tatler reusable canning lids. Made of USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, Tatler canning lids let you safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways that contain BPA, but Tatler canning lids are indefinitely reusable and guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning and contain no BPA. Tatler lids are dishwasher safe, perfect for standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, 
Kitchen fit standard mason jars and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders by phone at 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's 1-877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com. Tatler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976. For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver. That's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver. UtopiaSilver.com or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. UtopiaSilver.com. Taking back America's health care one American at a time. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com With Lex Friedman from Macworld, one more segment. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. We talk a little bit here about the failure of all those other tablets and look like HP kind of imploding there with their PC. They want to spin it off. They want to get rid of, I guess, the WebOS. There's a story that HTC wants to buy WebOS, but why would you buy an operating system that hasn't shown any evidence of success? Uh, there's only one reason to do that, Gene, and that's to get their patent portfolio that goes with it. HTC right now is in, engaged in constant lawsuit back and forth with Apple, with Apple saying that HTC Android devices violate various Apple patents for iOS. So if you can manage to buy WebOS and then you can say, well, now I own WebOS and all of the patents that go with it, now you're in a place where you can have mutually assured patent-based destruction. So Apple says, fine, we grant you an irrevocable license to use our patents and you do the same with your patents and now we won't bother each other in court anymore. You hope. Right. But of course, Apple's not going to do that. I don't see why they would. I think They Apple's only will do that this. on broad-based patents that relate to the overall technology of a mobile device, like with Nokia. There is licensing there because it is stuff that basically works for all handset makers. It's not a specific user interface kind of thing. And you look at these pictures, for example, when you study the look and feel lawsuits from Apple. Before there was an iPhone, before there was an iPad, just about every smartphone, the smartphones look kind of like knockoffs of BlackBerry with a physical keyboard in different shapes and sizes. Suddenly there's an iPhone. Suddenly the smartphones all look like iPhones. 
right? They all have these giant touchscreens, and they they still thought they could do better than the iPhone, right? So initially, the first wave of iPhone ripoff smartphones all had the big glass touchscreen, and then they put a bunch of hardware buttons on the bottom. Apple's just got the the home button, and then there's the the sleep wake switch on top. But you know, the these other competitors had four, maybe five buttons on the bottom of their devices, so you could you know more quickly get to the MP3 player, more quickly place a call. And then with each revision, they realized these buttons just don't work right. You know, they have unexpected behaviors of them deep within a, a separate app. So eventually, they'll see that they get more and more iPhone-like. You know, now they have just the one button, just like Apple. And you look, for example, at some of the Samsung devices and talk about knockoff, and people forget back in the days when Apple first came out with the Bondi Blue iMac. Immediately, PC makers came on with knockoffs with similar kinds of blues and greens. Apple stopped them in their tracks. Right. They couldn't do it. So now, what? They can do this? They couldn't imitate the iMac then, so they expect him now to imitate the iPhone. That's okay? Right. And, you know, that's, that's been the argument that the Samsung has been making is saying, you know, this is, this is the inevitable design. This is the only design that, that can be used for these tablets. And well, right why now, didn't you have that design before Apple came out exactly. with it? And right now, judges have been saying, no, that's not the case. It, you know, the minimalist design is one approach, but there are certainly other ways that you could do this. I, I think you're right, Gene, that Apple's seems likely to me to be able to prevail in some, some key arguments that they're making because it's clear that their work is being emulated far too closely to, to merely be considered flattery. Yeah. Obviously, you have to ask again, well, if Samsung is a big company with lots of resources, why can't they build their own tablets? Right. Why do they have to emulate someone else's? Why can't they think of a better idea? Or maybe there is no better idea. I mean, certainly I think you could ask any iPad owner if they have criticisms of the device, and they'll be able to come up with some. But I, I honestly don't have any complaints on the hardware side. I'm sure that when Apple unveils the iPad 3, they'll have some new hardware revision that I'll drool over that one uh, in in due time. But you know, right now, none of my complaints are about how it looks. So I, I can understand Samsung's problem. Apple has done it really, really well. But that doesn't mean that I can make a car that looks exactly like a Lamborghini and call it something else just because Lamborghini came up with a really good body shape. Yeah, I mean, you do see cars with influences from other cars, but they're subtle. And you can't, even though you might see that this sloping kind of coupe style in a four-door sedan that Hyundai's using kind of comes from Mercedes, but you will never mistake it for a Mercedes CLS. So Mercedes will not sue Hyundai. Right. So there you go. Do you think anyone ever is going to come up with a tablet that's going to be the ultimate iPad killer, or is this the iPod all over again? You know, that's that's an excellent question. And my answer is no. I don't think that you're going to come up with an iPad killer. I don't think that tech products kill other tech products in general, but I, I think that the mistake that folks are making right now is trying to make another iPad. And that's what I like about Microsoft's approach here is that it, it's clearly a tablet and it's clearly a competitor with the iPad, but it doesn't look and feel to me like an iPad. Okay. They're trying to create a decidedly Windows-esque experience, for better or for worse, but it's it's a unique and different experience from what Apple's offering. I think the folks who have the, the best chance of making a device that could really prove competitive with the iPad, uh, I think it's Amazon. You know, we haven't seen anything yet about what Amazon's actually working on, but everybody in the tech press knows that Amazon's got a a Kindle tablet in the works, some kind of probably a seven inch touchscreen device running an Amazon flavor of Android. But I think that they're gonna, they're not going to advertise this as here's an alternative to the iPad. They're going to say here's an alternative to the Kindle, and the Kindle I think does decent business when it's 
they're targeting their you know heavy readers and they've got more and more impressive hardware devices there. If they well, they're it, basically selling an enhanced ebook reader with some extra features. That's not necessarily a competitor to the iPad. It's an alternative product. Right, but I think that if they can create a tablet version where they can say this has a really great reading experience and it runs these apps, and if they can you know, go a step further and say it's going to give you the whole Amazon ecosystem, so yet you've got the Amazon bookstore built in, but you've also got Amazon streaming videos built in, and you've got our, you know, our, uh, if they start being able to do what uh, the Wall Street Journal reported just within the past week or two that Amazon's looking to create a Netflix streaming-like offering for books, so you pay a monthly fee, and that gives you access to to rent any books you want from the the Kindle bookstore. If they can integrate it with all those Amazon offerings, I think that they'll have a compelling product. It won't be for somebody who's after an iPad, but if you want a sort of more generic tablet computing experience that's connected to media that Amazon can offer, I think that they have a decent chance to be compelling. Well, that's the point there, that someone brings out a different product, maybe with a different focus, and they create a market for themselves where they can succeed without killing anybody else. Right. It will not stop people from buying iPads, but it still looks like, in general, it's still an iPad market. It's apples to lose. And isn't it interesting, this recent survey, showing that after Steve Jobs stepped down as CEO, most people still going to buy Apple products. Didn't seem to mind. Right. I, I think that most of the time people don't think about the CEOs of the companies they're buying products from. People thought about Steve Jobs because of you know, how iconic a guy he is. But, I mean, I, I agree with the, the people in that survey. It doesn't make sense to say now that he's not there, I'm not going to buy their products. Apple clearly knows what it's doing. Well, you know what you're doing. Can you tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff that Lex Friedman comes up with? Well, if you cannot quench your Lex Friedman needs uh, from this show alone, you can go to Macworld.com or to LexFriedman.com, and you'll find plenty of me in those places. At LexFriedman.com, what kind of stuff do you offer there? You know, you'll be, you find my blog there, and that'll have any kind of punditry or insights that I want to share that don't fit on Macworld.com. So you have your independent life, life independent of Macworld. If you have a comment or a question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please write us, news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. From That's Macworld right. Magazine and from LexFriedman.com. Lex Friedman, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks for having me. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Did you know nuclear radiation is still spewing out of the melted-down reactors in Fukushima, Japan, and making its way across the entire U.S. continent, contaminating the air, water, and food? 
Dangerously high levels of radiation are a reality here. As a result, radiation poisoning is a distinct possibility for anyone living in the U.S. unless you do something to protect yourself. How? With Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Without a doubt, Liquid Zeolite is by far the best product to remove radiation from your body. It safely removes toxins and heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee, but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite by calling 800-880-9976. That's 800-880-9976. Or go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com. OpticsPlanet.com is where discerning gun owners and outdoorsmen go to gear up. Optics Planet has the best selection of rifle scopes, red dots, night vision, holsters, bags, and tactical gear on the planet. With always low prices, free shipping on most orders, and expert customer service. Go to OpticsPlanet.com slash GCN to get a free gift with purchase. That's OpticsPlanet.com slash GCN. Or call 800-332-OPTICS. 800-332-6784. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Ready to save? Then you're ready for the Super Summer Sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with Uhimbi and Super Femplex for summer toning. Buy Glucosamine Chondroitin 60 caps summer sale priced at only $12. Colon and answer 250 caps summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Seth Rosenblatt is a senior associate editor for CNETdownload.com. And I have to tell you that years ago I used to write for CNET. So I am aware of the company and work with them. Yeah, this is like four or five ownerships ago. Before you were acquired by CBS, before you were acquired by anybody. So I go back a long time. Anyway, we've got Windows 8 on the horizon. You got a chance to look and play with it. Can you tell us about the experience and what a Mac and a Windows user might expect? Sure. (laughs) 
what a Windows and a Mac user might expect is, is kind of a tricky question to answer. It's, <laughs> it's certainly a, a work in progress, first and foremost. It's a, an operating system that is unique in what it's attempting to do, which is merge uh, a mobile-style interface over a traditional desktop OS. And it really is, is, is more than just what that implies, uh, because you can spend your entire time in the uh, metro interface, which is what they're calling the, the mobile interface. And there's nothing quite like that out there at the moment. However, you know, uh, Microsoft has a problem with pre-announcing stuff. Uh, one of my colleagues pointed out that uh, way back with Windows 1, they pre-announced that they were working on it in 83, and it wasn't until very late in 85 that it finally hit the public. And it's also uh, true, by the way, Seth, that Microsoft has announced things that sort of never come to pass. <laughs> yes, well, that's true of all companies, but certainly with uh, with Microsoft and their reputation, it's uh, no small cause for concern. So when they say that, you know, here's this OS and it's the foundation of it is working, if that's impressive, um, I'm, you know, I, I'm not going to be uh, sold on it until we, we get a, uh, a more functional version. And there's a lot of new things that they're attempting to do, really uh, locking down security in a way that uh, that they haven't really before. Um, Vista and, and 7 were steps in the right direction, but uh, a lot of the changes that they're making in Windows 8 are going, you know, really make it uh, the most secure version of Windows ever. I want to ask you about that, but let's focus on the interface first. Okay, on the interface. Now, this interface, what I got to see in the screenshots, and I suppose one of those screenshots is one that you generated, is... On a standard Windows machine, we would see, kind of like Windows Phone 7, tiles showing applications and notices and such. Sure. Now, can you visually, obviously you could go online, ladies and gentlemen, but can you describe in general what we're seeing here? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, when you start up uh, Windows 8, uh, and actually this is, this is actually quite important, now, the startup is nearly instantaneous, uh, going from a computer that's off to a computer that is uh, ready to use took five seconds, I believe. And granted, this is something that Mac users have experienced for a long time, and uh, Chrome users, uh, Chromebook users also uh, have had. Uh, it's new. It's going to be new for Windows, and it's going to be very important. So you can get right into your work uh, or whatever it is you want to do with Windows 8 without having a 30-second delay. But is part of that because you're using a solid-state drive? No. I mean, to, to some degree, of course it is. But I believe, uh, from what I understand at this point, and again, these are early days and, and uh, this, uh, this could change, uh, the way that they've re-architected uh, Windows 8 is to make it uh, significantly faster uh, in its boot time. Yeah, and it's impressive. So this is even on a traditional hard drive? Uh, even even on a traditional hard drive. Yeah. Okay, so we understand that, that, that because the now the other question to ask here is, is it really operational? And the reason I ask that is if you boot Windows 7, mm-hmm. and it comes up pretty quickly to a desktop, but that's a minute or two before you can actually do something with it. Yeah, no, it's fully operational. I mean, okay. that, that, that was, that's one of the things that was so impressive about it. Okay. Um, uh, so from from uh, uh, from booting it up, uh, the interface is, is you know, it's kind of like a... Uh, 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 Mango. Um, it, it's very easy to use. It's very intuitive. Uh, they've changed uh, the name of icons to tiles to uh, more uh, closely uh, resemble uh, Windows Phone 7, so it's easier for people to 
uh, to, to jump between them. Now, a tile as opposed to an icon, which mm-hmm. tends to be a shape unto itself, a tile is basically a rectangular box. Correct. It's a rectangular box. It, many of them will have uh, program icons in them. So uh, Internet Explorer will have the E with the, uh, the swoosh uh, around it uh, in its tile. But the benefit of tiles is that they keep uh, different kinds of information, uh, real-time information, updated. So a tile can be a program icon, or it could be some kind of widget that would display information. Time or the status, or maybe you're getting a message from someone from Facebook. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Uh, It can contain stock updates, weather updates, all all kinds of real-time data. So it's basically, it's a mixture. We're used to in in desktop widgets. So it's kind of like a mixture. Okay. Now, the other question, obviously, about this is the way the artwork is done. The artwork that you see in those screenshots, is that supposed to be what's finally going to be or what? And the reason I'm going to ask that, you'll see in a moment. But is that supposed to be the final look of this new presentation? I believe they've, they've got the look of it pretty much uh, locked down. As I said, they've got the foundation of it ready to go. So uh, more than just it being based on the next step up from, from Windows 7 in, in terms of the traditional interface and, and architecture, the, uh, the Metro interface is pretty much locked down. They showed us an advanced version that they didn't release to us, which was uh, disappointing. But uh, the advanced version versus the version that we had in hand were no different. Okay. The reason I ask that is because what I see from the screenshots is I'm looking at different colored tiles with white type, and it was almost impossible to read. So what I was seeing in the screenshots, Uh and I have to tell our listeners, very frankly, I don't have one of those tablet computers that Microsoft gave to the media to look it over. I'm looking at the pictures on the screen. The pictures on the screen show white type against a colored background, and it's very difficult to read. It's very thin that, lettering. I, I see exactly what you're saying. That, that's, I believe that's just the resolution of the screenshot that they provided to us. So basically, if you have really top-notch screens, it'll be easier to read. Okay. Oh, oh absolutely, absolutely. There, there's no doubt that... Uh, you know that, 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 the, that the quality of the hardware, as we were talking about earlier with solid-state drives, will affect your Windows 8 experience. But that's true of any operating system. Sure, but the other question is here is, on my Mac, I don't have trouble reading anything. On my iPhone, I don't have trouble reading something that's normally done. I mean, obviously, if someone programs a website in what I consider a way that you can't see the text, that's another thing. But the other question I want to ask here is, when you actually got to play with it. They gave you a tablet computer, but it's a tablet computer running an Intel processor, a pretty powerful one. Yes. Okay. So can you tell everybody what kind of hardware this was? Um, offhand, uh, it, it, actually, it's the new uh, uh, Slate computer that's going to be coming out with Windows 7 on it. So, in fact, it's a, it's a piece of Windows 7 hardware that they put Windows 8 on. Okay, so this is an Intel Core i5 okay. processor. Exactly. Um, with 64 gigabytes of solid-state storage. Sure. I don't know the, the, the specs on the screen resolution offhand. Okay. Um, it was about the same size as my uh, Samsung Tab uh, 10.1. Okay. So a, a 10.1 screen would not be out of, uh, out of the realm of possibility for it. it was so this big, is a Windows tablet? 
Yeah, it's a Windows tablet. Okay, standard Windows tablet. Now, one criticism I heard, and you can tell me if this is true or not, is that the thing ran rather hot. The cooling fans were running constantly. Is that true? You know, I personally didn't experience that. Okay. But if other people did, I wouldn't tell them that they're wrong. (laughs) You know, I mean, again, it's it's so deep in the woods of development at the moment. And the hardware, you know, the Windows tablet, the Windows 7 tablet that they're planning releasing on this hardware hasn't even come out yet. So I, I, if people are experiencing, uh, very hot battery usage or, or poor, or poor fan, uh, uh, usage, that, that wouldn't shock me. Okay. We're going to be talking more with Seth Rosenblatt, the senior associate editor for CNETDownloads.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Before you throw away your used batteries, you need to listen to this. Now, going green can save money. Go green and save money by giving life to your used batteries by charging them with the Renaissance Charger. The Renaissance Charger uses a new revolutionary battery charging technology that effectively extends the life of new batteries and gives new life to used batteries. Invented by legendary audio genius John Bedini, this unique and patented charging system rejuvenates the electrochemical plate structure in the battery without additives, increasing capacity and maintaining cell integrity. Renaissance Charge offers a full line of products made in the USA for all types and sizes of batteries. Find out why our customers tell us the Renaissance Charger is the only battery charger they will ever use. Save your money. Save the environment. Visit us online at r-charge.com. That's r-charge.com. Or call us at 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. Be a part of the revolution today. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. You can't argue with success. And many people have found great success in fighting back colds and flu viruses with Ali C, the world's best garlic extract. So now, it's time to get even more success with the other great quality natural products from Affinity Health Products. Like C-Energy Liquid Vitamins, Lose and Snooze, and the One Day Diet. Or Human Growth Hormone Support, Menopause Specialist for Women, and Joint Specialist. See these and many other quality Affinity Health Products for men and women online at AffinityHealthProducts.com. That's A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y HealthProducts.com. Or call in your orders at 877-888-7126. That's 1-877-888-7126. Trust your health to the makers of Alley C, the world's best garlic extract. Affinity Health Products, the finest and most innovative natural health products available. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. With Seth Rosenblatt, Senior Associate Editor of CNETDownload.com, we're getting kind of, virtually speaking, a hands-on encounter with the forthcoming Windows 8. So Microsoft hopes to have it out sometime in 2012. Did they hint when? The latter part of the year, like October, which is fairly normal for them? You know, they actually didn't tell us when they were expecting it. Um, and, and honestly, the 2012 date is speculation on the part of uh, reporters who are there. Um, the reason we believe that 2012 is a... A reasonable date for it is that if they if they pull something where we're waiting you know two years uh, for this, uh, there's going to be serious problems because Google and Apple are going to take over what they're trying to do, and um, it's going to be very bad for them. Well, the other issue, of course, is here. I guess it ran pretty well on a standard Intel notebook, a tablet-based notebook. Now, we don't know how it's going to run on an ARM processor, which is much, much lower in terms of processor power. Exactly. Because an ARM processor, correct me if I'm wrong here, but if you look at the specs of current ARM processors, they're running like PC and Mac hardware of six, seven years ago. Uh, yes. Okay. I, uh, honestly, that's not my uh, my bailiwick. I couldn't tell you offhand. I'd have to look that up. All right, but the point being here is that it works fine. You know, whether or not it was overheating or not, we don't know. We assume it could be optimized to work further. Did you get a chance to see? I can tell you that they they did tell us that they are working on making sure it runs on ARM, and they are are specifically targeting it to work on ARM. Um, And one of the interesting things about what Microsoft is doing right now is that uh, unlike Apple, which is is uh, really pushing forced obsolescence, um, Microsoft is is building uh, has built Windows 7 and is now building Windows 8. 
to run well on previously existing hardware. So if you have an older uh, an older computer, um, something that ran Windows 7 very well, it's supposed to run Windows 8 very well as well. And the other question is here then, is Windows 8 fundamentally the basis of Windows 7 with a few refinements and a new theme, this extra overlay? I, you know, I would say not. Um, I would say that that's actually true more for for the jump from Vista to Seven. Um, Vista was uh, Seven was mostly Vista done right, um, so it was mostly Vista done right. Uh, no question about that. And there were some important changes made to it uh, besides the interface that uh, that made Windows Seven a worthy upgrade. What's happening with Windows 8 is actually where they're taking the the entire concept of Windows. I mean, the name is derived from having you know a box of uh, different you know, programs open at the same time, hence Windows, uh, and getting rid of it. It's 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 a non-Windows Windows operating system. But they still call it Windows because that's the branding. Because that's the branding, and sure. and and it does have uh, it's it, it's entirely built on the Windows Seven foundation. So when you hit uh, Control Panel, for example, the Control Panel tile, um, it takes you to uh, the traditional Windows uh, interface, and they they jump back and forth between them very smoothly. Now the long and short of it is then that if you decide you don't want Metro and you don't want the tiles, you don't want to put up with that, can you just go back to a Windows 7-style interface? Yes, I believe so. Okay. Um, again, I'm not sure that that's something that people are going to want to do. There's, it, it's a very uh, uh, mobile-centric uh, interface that we saw working very well with peripherals like mice and keyboards and, and stuff like that. Well, you uh, see, one of the criticisms you see about that and this will be the devil's advocate point of view, and that is that, yes, there are ways you can integrate a mobile and a desktop operating system, but really, each one has its own trade-offs and considerations. And if Microsoft tries to do too much, they end up not doing everything as well. What do you think? I think that uh, this is something that, that if Microsoft can pull off, they're going to be... Uh, on top of their game. It's going to impress everybody because at this point, nobody's come out with a seamless way of moving between uh, desktop and mobile. And what Microsoft is saying is that we now have uh, the hardware that will support doing this and it's going to work. Now, if, is it actually going to work? I don't know. The tablet that they gave us had a battery that felt like it was the size of Texas. Uh, <laughs> was, we'll have to ask Rick Perry about that. I'll ring him up and ask if they had batteries was, that big. Oh, it was it was a it was a heavy battery. It was a heavy uh, tablet experience. It's not a tablet that you would carry with one hand unless you were you know using it as like a, a blunt force trauma weapon. I mean, it was really uh, kind of a ridiculous tablet. So basically, they've got a lot of work to do to make this work. The other question I guess we're going to have here is because you have a different processor, what about the applications? Are you going to run Office on your ARM-based tablet, or will there have to be an emulation layer? How's it going to be done? Uh, no, I, I I honestly don't know. They didn't. They did not reveal whether uh, uh, it's going to be virtual or not. What they did say, though, um, is that everything is supposed to work and they did show uh, a Photoshop uh, CS5 tab uh, uh, tile um, working in Metro 
So you can when you tap when you tap the Photoshop CS5 pile of Metro, it opens up Photoshop CS5. Now it opens it up through the uh, traditional Windows interface. Sure, but you were running a tablet using a standard Intel processor. Right, exactly. So when you go to ARM, I have no idea what's going to happen. It would be the same problem that Apple ran into when they went from PowerPC to Intel. They had to basically either provide an emulation layer or cause programmers to update their apps so they'd run in both environments. Correct. So wouldn't it be the same thing? In theory, I, I suppose so, but Microsoft is saying that that's not the case. All right. Well, I'd be very curious to see how that works out. There's also yeah. supposed to be web apps that are going to be supported. And this is going to be something like the WebOS tried to do or Apple tried to do before there was an app store? How's that going to work? Um, again, we don't fully know. Uh, we do know that they're working on a Windows store, uh, so there will be some sort of uh, app distribution method for developers that will allow them to monetize and uh, make some money off of it. Um, a lot of what the conference was, in fact, was developers getting introduced to the new uh, operating system and Microsoft saying, well, the reason we don't have a photo app or we don't have this kind of app or that kind of app is because we want you to go and build it. Um, so uh, at this point, it's hard to say, uh, again, whether uh, uh, the app experience is going to be something that we're familiar with, whether uh, Microsoft is going to try and push it the way they're pushing um, the operating system itself. We just don't know. Mm. And, of course, the other question is here about the enterprise. The enterprise has largely involved themselves in a major upgrade from Windows XP largely to Windows 7. Is this the sort of thing they're going to want to do again that quickly, or are they going to sit this one out? <laughs> I think, um, you know, an enterprise software is, is an interesting field because they generally don't, they're not early adopters by any stretch of the imagination. And it takes them so long to get all the machines updated and the hardware updated uh, to then have another OS to update on top of it. I wouldn't be surprised if it was, you know, a good year plus before, uh, after the release of Windows 8, before uh, you started to see major enterprises adopting it. Now, that being said, um, Microsoft is really pushing this as, uh, an operating system that has legitimate uh, uh, enterprise use. So, uh, in, you know, on 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 that hand, it's it's possible that that some if, if they can get some big businesses to take to it, that may change people's minds. Well, obviously, we're not going to know until Microsoft gives us more information. It's still early in the game. Seth Rosenblatt, tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff that you write about. I uh, I write for CNET. I'm on CNET.com. I'm on Download.com. Uh, and those are probably the two best places to find me. Very good. A reminder also about our stuff. You can find my writings at technightowl.com. That's technightowl.com. You write me, news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. On Twitter, we are also technightowl, so you'll never forget that name. We have a second radio show about weird stuff, UFOs and things that go bump in the night, called The Paracast at paracast.com. That's paracast.com. Special thank you this week to Seth Rosenblatt. Thank you for coming on the Tech Night Out Live. No problem. Thank you for having me. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.